Chapel podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We're so glad you're here. Before we get started, we want to remind you of the importance of being connected into a local church body. Podcasts are a gift from God, but are meant to be supplemental and not substitute or replace the gathering of the saints in worship in the Word. With that being said, we pray that this teaching would bless you, equip you, and encourage you in your walk with Christ. I want to take just a minute now and prepare us for Pastor Dave coming. And so just want to say to you guys a couple of things. Number one, um, we have been going through the gifts of the Spirit. We started this topic last Sunday. We're continuing it this morning and the following Sunday. And just want to encourage you guys to really be giving yourselves to this topic and seeking the Lord on what gifts he maybe has given you, how you can step into those. And so Pastor Dave is going to continue this this morning. And I mentioned this last Sunday, um, but he's going to leave some time open during this for some question and answer. So if there's something that's on your heart that you want to bring up or ask, just be prepared for that. There will be an opportunity for that. And so as Dave's coming up, um, yeah, Pastor Dave, I don't know. I feel like there's so much I could say. Um, First of all, I'm just thankful that he's my friend. Pastor Dave is a good friend. He's been a key mentor in my life and just very grateful for your voice and wisdom and leadership. Um, there have been many times where we've been here in Knoxville. We're just going, Dave, help. <laughs> we don't know what to do. Help. And so, so much prayer and wisdom. He's poured a lot into my life personally, into our leadership here at the church. So we're grateful for you. Thank you. For those who are going through the ADJ book with us this year, that is Pastor Dave's book. And so I've quoted him and referenced him throughout mm. the, the year. And so, yeah, we're just grateful to have you here I leading us this morning. I am grateful to be here. Can I, can I pray for yeah, you and for please. us as we lean into this? So, yeah. Lord, we thank you for, for Dave and his heart for you. Um, Lord, I, I thank you just for his walk with you, his, his love for his wife and his family, and for your bride, the church. Mm-hmm. And so, Lord, as he comes this morning and shares some things you've downloaded into him, and even as we get into some discussion later, Holy Spirit, I just pray you'd come and fill him and just equip him, give him the words to speak. Um, And may this be a Sunday of just equipping and encouragement for our body. Lord, I pray for all of us listening, receiving this morning, God, Mm -hmm. that this would land on good soil. Mm -hmm. Holy Spirit, that our walk with you would continue to grow and develop and that we would receive everything you have for us, that we could walk in it, being people of purpose, loving the body Mm -hmm. well, Mm -hmm. and seeing your kingdom expanded right here in Knoxville. Um, through your body, through the church. And so we love you and just commit this time to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank Thank you, you, my friend. So I've known Jake and Amy for about 15 years now, and you got some good ones here. And I just want to encourage you, you know, one of the things that oftentimes we don't do enough is pray for those in leadership. So keep praying, all right? But I'm proud of you guys and how you've led humbly, faithfully. Well done. Hey, I want to say something to you, Alex and Crystal, it's like, first, thank you for letting me be a part today just to receive. You guys, I I don't know if you recognize, and you might because you've been in different Christian settings, but not everywhere has worship like this. And I just felt like I wanted to affirm you on that, but I also felt like two things. The Lord Part of the grace on you guys when you worship is the two of you as a couple. Some of that overflows. And I just want to encourage you to continue to worship alone together. Because 
the flock gets to benefit from the overflow of your intimacy with the Lord together. So, so carve out as you get into the new year, like what are those times that it's just the two of you worshiping? It's one of the things that I often run into that can be um, challenges with worship leaders because they're so used to worshiping that they forget. Like I, there's a worship leader dude who'd kind of wandered a bit in his journey. And I said, when was the last time you just went in the woods with your guitar and you worshiped? And he looked at me like, I can't even tell you. So, but, but there's something more to it than that for you guys. I think there's something that God will use as a overflow as you find times just to continue to worship together. And the second thing is, in today's world, so many of our worship songs deal with our emotions and our feelings. That's okay. I think there needs to be an ongoing balance, and I think you guys will have this, of... Like, I felt like the Lord was saying, I want to invite them in to know my character more. And there will be some songs that he will create in you that will be about God's character. And, and it's, it's huge. I, I oftentimes tell people in these days that we're living, don't just stop at the Bible. Because what I mean by that is you, we can quote scriptures. I mean go into the Bible to get to know God's character. I have my iPad with me today. If I had my Bible, I would show you I've highlighted every name, title, and attribute of God's character in purple in my Bible so that when I open it, it screams at me. We've got to know God's character. This is not a religion. This is a relationship with the living God. But if you don't know his character, how can you trust him? Like, I know he's faithful. Like, I've had to reflect on his faithfulness and realize, like, I've never once at 63 years of age gone to bed at night anxious if the sun's going to come up in the morning. Not once. Like, I wondered, golly, the Vols lost last night. I guess this ain't coming up tomorrow. No, it did. It still did, right? And, and, but, but I think for the two of you, I, I just kind of felt like as I was just receiving and listening, I just felt like the Lord said, I want to invite you into a deeper place to know my character. Not just the general sense of knowing me. You already do that. But it's like getting to know God's character. And I think and as you do, don't be surprised that there'll be some songs. that Not that you purposely try to do them. They'll just start springing out of you. I see his faithfulness, his justice, his mercy, his kindness, his grace, all those things. So I submit that to you. So, yeah. Hey, and for, for you, um, I didn't come in here today thinking about this, but this thought triggered this. So um, if you are interested and getting to know God's character more. There's an app that we created. It's a freebie. If you go out of your app store and you type in Lions Share Leadership Group, it's got a lion's head on it. There are two-minute daily video devotionals on the character of God. And if you went through those in a year, like let's say, okay, January, I'm going to start doing this. Over the span of a year, you'd hit 101 attributes of God's character three to four days each based on scripture, it will renew your mind. Because I think, I think God often feels like he is misrepresented. Because it's like we don't know what he's like. And some of our greatest struggles in the days that we're living in, okay, we got gender stuff over here, and I got to stand in what God's word says, but I don't know how to relate and communicate. And we get caught. And, and if you get to know God's character, more of that becomes a part of you. When he drops you in those situations, he just comes out. Where you stand for truth, but there's huge compassion. Like, how would someone even get there? So I just want to encourage you, get to know God's character. Don't just know about him. And I find a lot of Christians 
Jesus was preached. I responded. I have forgiveness of sins. I'm going to heaven. But they don't really know his character. And it's in those moments for me, like if you would find me alone in my study at home and I'm not understanding something, you know, I, sometimes it comes out like this, God, I just don't understand. And I have to force myself to say, but I trust you because you're faithful and you're just. And I just begin to declare the character of God. And before I know it, he pulls me right out of that. So can I challenge you as you go into 24? Don't know about him. Know him. And know him from the word. Even if it means just taking one attribute of God's character and say, okay, for the month of January, I'm meditating, reflecting, watching for as I bump into it in life, his mercy. And you know what also happens with that? As you get to know God's character, when, like, like you know, this role is not, so you come in kind of crabby from the day or a tough day or a football team loses. Or, and, but subtly what we can do is, is, Alex and Crystal, get me there. Come on, come on, please, get me there. Mm-mm. We should be coming in already there. So that when we worship together, there is, there is a sound going into the spiritual realm of Knoxville that causes our enemy to shudder. So that's the kind of thing I want to encourage you as a flock, as you continue to move forward. This just isn't about Sunday meetings and small groups. This is how do we advance the kingdom of God in this city that he's all called us to. Because the city needs Jesus more than ever. Amen? Amen. Let's close in prayer. No. <laughs> so, um, I'm, I'm delighted to be here. And I'm not saying that to just be nice. I really enjoy coming over and seeing what God's doing and being with you. I'm sorry this time that we missed kind of the leadership Saturday night thing. You know, we'll do that soon. But just know that you are deeply loved, have great affection in my heart for you. I, I'm excited about what God's doing in and through Grace Chapel here. So part of today is just to have some informal time to chat. But, but I want to start with this scripture. And this will kind of be our jumping off point today, all right? And, and it's just this, Romans 12, 4 to 6, and here's what it says. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. All right, God's intention is that he's given us gifts that he wants us to use. Now, I have found walking with believers is year 45 for me in ministry, and so walking along enough with people in this particular area, sometimes until somebody says, hey, did you know this was that? We don't connect it. Do any of you know who Mandisa is? She's a Christian singer. So we've walked with Mandisa. She was in our church. And not long ago, she got invited to speak at a women's retreat in, of all places, Hawaii. So I said, like, how is that not the will of God, right? (laughs) So she came over and she said, will you help me? Because I don't do a lot of speaking. She's an excellent communicator, but just has not done a whole lot of speaking. And so she was kind of processing, how do I share this? And I said to her, I said, what do you, what is your spiritual gifts? And she looked at me and goes, well, what do you mean? I sing. Well, I know. You can sing, but it's like, what's your spiritual gifts? Because it's out of that you will want to minister to people in your speaking. Are you a teacher? No, I don't think so. And I agreed. Are you, the, and I would throw things, because I knew, I, I've walked with her long enough since oh four or five. I knew what's in there, but I was kind of surprised. She didn't know. 
And she's an exhorter. Romans 12 talks about the gift of exhortation. Exhortation is that gift that comes alongside and goes, you can do this. We can break through. And they exhort you either in loving correction. Like the exhorter is the person that if you got run over by a truck, so to speak, and you were flat on the ground, they'd come over and go, dude, you look good flat. I mean, that's an exhorter. They just, they look for things to affirm. And then I connected the dots for her. And some of you may know this, others you may not. But in 2014, she got a Grammy Award for a song called Overcomer. And I said, is it any coincidence that birthed out of the exhortive part of you is this song called Overcomer? And you could see, ding, 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 the lights go on. Oh my gosh, oh my, I said, that's because it's the spirit of God operates through you in that way. So when you teach, don't try to be the Greek word for, you know, you're not that. You're gonna be the person that on whatever you're teaching on, it's like, come on, we can do this. Just be that person. But see, if you don't, like, like, so I was kind of surprised we had never been around that block in conversations before. She'd been through discipleship journey. We, but, but for whatever reason, it didn't connect until she was put in a place that she had to use something differently. All right? So these spiritual gifts that God's given us, they've been in there since you were born. The Bible talks about in Romans 11, it says the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. And here's how I want you to think about this. They're like, like a Christmas tree that you've put the lights on, but the lights haven't been plugged in. You see them there, but when, when you encounter Jesus, all of a sudden those lights, they go on. Because when I walk with people in the world around me, I see some of those gifts. We could name well-known people some who never knew the Lord, but you could go, oh, yeah, I could see that. See that in them. I can see that particular heart in them. But it's when you come to Jesus and God empowers you by the Spirit that those lights just kind of light up and they can be used for God's purposes, not just one's own purposes. So these things have been tucked away inside of you. And as you start following Jesus, Paul... In Romans, in 1 Corinthians 12, he exhorts the church, kind of Dave's language, discover what those are, begin to develop them, and let them be deployed for the kingdom. And gifts aren't something that are just used here or in your small group. They're also meant for the marketplace. Like, did you know that? Like, they're meant, like, like sometimes we just go, okay, well, I have this gift of such and such, and when I'm in with my Christian friends... Sometimes God uses those things out in the marketplace. And so to recognize, okay, God, like there are people that have pioneering apostolic gifts in business. There are people that serve in government that actually have the godly gift of leadership. And there are some that don't. Like, did you know that everybody who's called, like we have Pastor Jake, we use that as a title. It's actually not a title, it's a function. But... Jake's got some pastor in him as a gift. There are other pastors that don't have a pastor. So that doesn't mean they shouldn't be leading a church. It just means they're going to have to have people around them that have pastoral gifts because that's part of pastoring. But there are some pastors I know who are dear friends of mine. They're gifted administrators or teachers or evangelists. And that's why you wonder why every Sunday is it. If there's anybody, every, every eye closed and every head back. Why? Because they're an evangelist. That, that's what burns in them. And that's why there's always the, see? So, so we have to realize that a lot of this stuff is kind of things that we've heard about or not heard about and engaged or not engaged. 
And so as you're going through this particular chapter in discipleship journey, I want to encourage you to engage because can I just say it this way? We need to know among each other, the leadership needs to know like who's got what gifts. It's important because that's part of the mobile, like part of Jake's role is not just functioning here. Part of his role is mobilizing you. Okay, not only within the flock, but in the community. Like some of you, like you understand, right, that you're ambassadors. Like if we could look at you spiritually, one of the things, and we could put spiritual lenses on, and we, whoa, we could see. Like there's this little thing over our heads that says ambassador. Ambassador Alex, all right? And, and, and we have to know what has God called us to, what realm to be an ambassador for him in. That's an important thing. Like where is he called? Like, like I just... Can I say this to you? Don't just take a job because you get paid. Take a job because you know God has called you to it. Even if it's not in your giftings, but he's using that to shape you for further things. Like, don't just, okay, I got to just go grab it. No, God, where do you want me? Because it might be just for the pay so you can take care of your family. That might be all it is for the moment. But he's building something in you. He's muscling you up for later. For those of us that are, say, mid-40s into our 50s and, and beyond, we've got to be able to know, what God, what are you calling me to? When I was in youth with a mission, I remember one day walking from my room. It was like an open pavilion. It was in Kona, Hawaii, open pavilion. There was a class going on. It was called our Crossroads DTS, and it was for people that were 40, 50, and older. And there was a, there was a walkway that would just walk here, and you'd have to kind of go up and pass. Well, literally sitting right here as I'm walking by is this older English woman who is probably mid to late 70s. And, she, and I heard her say, Jesus, thank you so much. Like, I, I mean, I, I walked by. I was being sensitive because God was doing stuff. But I heard her say, Jesus, thank you so much that you save me. Forgive me for not allowing you to save my life. She had just given her life to the Lord recently. And she knew she, thank you that you saved me, I'm going to heaven. But Lord, forgive me for not giving you an opportunity to save my 70-some years. You see, you don't want to live life like that. You want to be able to know, okay, God, what is it you've called me to? Where do you want me to function as a part of this flock? It's not just attendance, it's participation, Right? Where do you want me to function? But it's also in your 40, 50, 60 hours a week out there. Like, do you recognize where giftedness is? And where God, because where there's giftedness, guess what comes with it? An enabling grace to function in it. See, that's one of the places you can tell you're in your, in your giftedness because it's like, it kind of is easy. The challenges are kind of be around it and what you have to press through. But there's just this ease of, like, you know, people who are able to do various things that I can't. I just am always amazed. Like, like be amazed at how God uses people. It's an amazing thing. And I don't, I don't even like saying that, how God uses people. But you know what I mean, because he doesn't use us. How we get to partner with God. All right? So I just, I told Jake when we were talking about this, and I know this was chapter 11, week three, and I was all ready to go with that. I know the guy that wrote the book, so I was a little familiar with the content, so I knew it. But I said to him, would it be helpful if we just took a little bit of time to be able to just do question and answer about some of these things? So I just kind of want to give the rest of the time to that. Um, I've got a slide I'll show you later that I think will help 
us understand how natural abilities, acquired skills, and spiritual gifts blend together. Because it's not just your spiritual gifts that you are. Like, it's holistic. God made you with natural abilities. Some of you have been organized since you were a kid. Some of you are highly good with people ever since you were a kid. Some are athletic. Some are musical. Some, you know, are thinkers. That's natural abilities. And then God's given you acquired skills, which are things you've learned from others. It could be college, a workshop, a mentor, but they're, they're now in your tool belt. And God blends all those things, natural abilities, acquired skills, spiritual gifts, to make you who you are so he can function through you. And I, and I just, last thing I want to say, and we'll get to questions, is this. I, I hope you can view gifts more through the lens, not of, here's my gift. Now I got to do something with it. I want you to view it more like a faucet and a hose. God is the faucet, and when he turns it on, you're the hose. And he's basically pushing aspects of who he is and his power and his love and his grace through your life. And that's why it's important we just get out of the way and say, okay, God, just do that through me. That's a better way to steward spiritual gifts. than this is, These are my gifts, and they're mine, and I need it. Mm-mm. And the more you use them, you can actually get muscled up in your gifts. You get better at, at yielding to God so he can pour through you. Okay? Questions. Jake, Jake said he's going to run around with the microphone just so we can all hear questions, and, and we'll go from there. I just want to be helpful so to you guys today. So, Yes, sir. Uh, my name is Brian. So Hi, Brian. Where do you start off uh, reading scripture or finding out where the, what those gifts are, gifts are? Yeah, that's a great question and a great place to start. So um, there's three primary passages, but you see some of this in other places. And um, if you don't have a copy of Discipleship Journey, they can get you one of these and help you with that. But in chapter 11, it lists these. So 1 Corinthians 12. So as I describe these, let me tell you kind of old school kind of thought on this. So 1 Corinthians 12 are often called manifestational gifts. Okay, that's what they used to be called. I don't kind of view them that way, but what it is is a list of gifts that in the moment God might just do through you because that's what the need is. Romans 12, so 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12. Romans 12 lists another set of gifts that people kind of old school used to call it motivational gifts. Leadership, mercy, serving, that kind of thing. And then Ephesians 4 is gifts that are based, like apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist. Like sometimes those sound like big, heavy-duty words. But like, have you ever thought, like remember, we think it's the same thing we say, the 12 disciples, or we might call them the 12 apostles. They're not the same. They are disciples, but they all had apostolic gifts. Like when Jesus, like so when all of a sudden you realize and you see these in Ephesians 4, but you see the story of Jesus who's praying all night with who he should call to be his 12. He knew he needed 12 people gifted apostolically because they are people that can take something that's nothing and make something of it. They go pioneer new territory. We call him the Apostle Paul. Why? Because he went to new territory. And now think about it. When Jesus first releases the 12, like Christianity's not anywhere. So they all, a lot of them had to be apostles. So by giftedness, they were 12 disciples who followed Jesus, but their gifts were apostolic. And God used them to pioneer things, to start things out of nothing. You guys tracking with me? So 1 Corinthians 12, 
Romans 12, and Ephesians 4. And the Ephesians 4 gifts are unique in that they're more, like the context of it is more Jesus gives these five gifts as a gift to his church. So they're a little bit different. Okay, the others are kind of how we function as a body. These are like leadership gifts that God has placed to give leadership to the church. Even the evangelist gift, the evangelist gift is not just Billy Graham preaching to the nations. The evangelist gift also has an equipping component where they equip others how to share their faith. See? Good question. That's a perfect place to start, Brian. Thank you for that. What else? Brian's got another one. Here we go. What steps do you take to determine which gift you're meant to have or yeah. what gift is God given you? Yeah, and that is a perfect second follow-up question. I planted Brian in the audience this morning, friend. So, so you're going to find this in your chapter of 11 of Discipleship Journey, Lesson 4, which is that for next week, Jake? Lesson 4? You're going to find in there is a list of several of the ways that you can begin to discover this. So one of the ways that I have found helpful is, and you might go, well, duh, but oftentimes we don't do it, is to begin to pray about it and to say, God, I want to have a conversation. Like, what have you put in me? Because he's your maker. He knows, okay? Another way to do this is by is through serving. Like, when you just jump in to serve, so if, you know, someone's up here saying, hey, we need some more people to help with kids, don't go, I'm coming here to receive, not to be with my kids, all right? By the way, we have a new thing out, a discipleship journey for kids that just came out. That's pretty awesome for six to 10-year-olds. Um, but, but it's like sometimes when you just jump in and serve, those gifts that are in you, they just come out. They, they, just, they just, you know, the Bible talks about how a man's gifts or a woman's gifts make room for them. But you're serving somebody else. All of a sudden, there's certain things that you begin to see and do. And sometimes when you're functioning, people will just say, thank you. That was like, like mercy people, people with the gift of mercy that I kind of call them. They're like Christian thermostats because if you're noticed with a mercy person, you'll say, they'll ask you how you are. But then when you say, how are you? If you haven't told them how you're doing, they're kind of gauging you because if you're not doing so well, they don't want to say I'm awesome because they're because they, mercy people, again, this is something the Holy Spirit What's in us that God wants to function through you? The gift of mercy feels people's feelings. I I don't have this gift. I will be compassionate to people. But my daughter has this. So I grew up in my home, grew up this young woman who's now 34, about to hit 35, who has this mercy gift. And, And guess who she'd bring to our house? All the fringes of society. And I'm just going, who is this person? Why are they in my house? You know, as a dad, as a follower of Jesus, you know, the Lord would have to remind me, what if you're the only one that they ever hear the gospel? Yes, Lord. You know, because you're battling between being the father of a teenage girl, like, what is this guy doing in my house? And, okay, and I sometimes go, God, it's not fair how you do this to me, right? But Malia would be drawn to people on the fringes of society, and she'd feel their pain. 
And so, like I remember a Sunday at Grace, she comes in with this dude who I've never seen before. She'd ask, can you guys save two seats for us? Sure. And Malia comes in, plops down with this guy. Dad, this is so and so. And then she leans to me and says, we have to go out to lunch afterwards and you have to take him with you so you can share Jesus with him. He needs Jesus bad. And I want to say, well, why don't you do it? Why don't you buy lunch? You know? So, but, but, but there's this, mer- and so some of you in this room, that's you. You carry God's heart of mercy. And, and you, you can walk into a room and pretty much pick up pretty quickly. They're doing great. They feel like they suck right now. They're in difficult. And you can pick up. How many of you in this room would say, I have a piece of that in me? Okay, stick your hands up high. Look at. So, so that's amazing to me. Thank you. That, so that's like about 20% of the people in this room. And I have wondered, just like with how Jesus needed apostles to pioneer, I've wondered in light of the mess our world is in right now, if God is not raising up more mercy people because he needs them to be there to say, I'm so sorry. I would like to help you. Okay? That'll be stuff we'll have to ask Jesus when we get to heaven. Like, did you send gifts on the planet by times and seasons? You know, I don't know. But it's just an observation I've made. All right? So... Serve. Look for ways to serve. And when we serve with each other, that's a time where, again, as the body, we can say, hey, Brian, I don't know if you noticed, but when you did these things in this setting, like, stuff happened. Like, that's how we help each other, is we watch. And, and if, if you go, stuff happened here, but when you did this, this was like a whole nother level of stuff happened. I have found it's difficult to figure out our gifts on our own. We need each other to reaffirm. And sometimes our own, whether we call them insecurities or, you know, humility, although humility is a willingness to be known for who you are in your strengths and weaknesses. But sometimes we just don't want to say, well, yeah, like, like it'd be awesome if Jake as a pastor could say, hey, look, we ended up with 15 people in the hospital that we have fringes of relationships with. Where's my mercy people? I need you to go. See, it would be so much easier for a pastor rather than you sitting there and going, I'm waiting for somebody to call my gifts out of me. We've got to learn to say, okay, I think this is it and begin to have a conversation. Okay? Brian, is there a third question I asked you to ask? No. (laughs) There actually is, but he wants to share. Okay. Anybody else? Questions? Okay, we got two over here. Um, do you have any uh, suggestions on how to equip our kids, um, mm-hmm. kind of foster their gifts, yes. see them um, at a young age, and raise them up in a way that, as adults, they don't feel fearful to step into them? Yeah, no, that's an awesome question. We actually took, you know, so you guys have been going through your discipleship journey. Um, that chapter 11, now in the new edition for kids, actually is it's all reduced to their level. And with our kids... Like, as parents, you know, you have to kind of, like, I remember for me, because, you know, you know all the stuff that's going on with your kids, the good, the bad, the ugly. And I would have to remind myself that Corinthians tells us that we should no longer look at people through the eyes of the flesh. So there would be times I'd have to step back and say, God, let me see my kids through your eyes. And I think that's a good starting point. Okay, God, let me see my kids through your eyes. And the things that you've deposited in them. And so beginning to be familiar a bit. 
And in chapter 11, you, there will be, like you've, I think you've been into it the last few weeks, but there's kind of a breakdown of all the gifts. One of the things that can be helpful is just becoming more familiar with them so that when you see that in them, like you don't necessarily launch into it right away, but you start just watching it and kind of seeing, wow, look at it in that setting, that same thing comes out. you know. And then at some point when there's a, an ability to understand, it's to be able to talk to them about it. Here's one of the things we have to remember. The same Holy Spirit that lives in us as adults lives in our kids when they've given their life to Jesus. So he can activate that thing. I, like I've been in settings, you guys, where, where I've just seen God do remarkable things. When I was in Kona, Hawaii as a missionary, it was Christmas time, and the leader of an organization within YOM called King's Kids, which was basically kids that would go out and sing. We'd do all kinds, of, and they would, it, it was an evangelistic kind of thing, but there was worship and all this. So, so he comes to me and he goes, hey, I'm going to split the King's Kids in half. I'm going to keep the kids here in Kona. And he had like about 30 of them. He said, would you take these 15, 16 and go to Hilo, which was about two hours away on the other side of the island. The Kona Lagoon Hotel has asked us to come. This was, this was um, boombox days. Bring our boombox with our little cassette, and you stick in there and turn that thing on with a microphone with some speakers, and they want the kids to sing in the lobby. Okay, so Christmas songs, other songs. So we're just singing, and, and I want to tell you, the youngest were five and six, the oldest were 17, and everything equally in between. So I'm just with them. They're singing. People are stopping, you know, kids in Christmas, right? And then all of a sudden I have a tap on my back. And I turn around, and it's a Hawaiian guy. I say, hey, brother, how are you? I said, I'm good. He said, these kids, man, this is awesome, bro. I, like, invite them into the lounge. I mean, the guy has a lounge act. And you kind of got, you know, remember this era of the late 70s, you know, shirts, button, the chains. Hey, you know, it's that guy. His name is Rodney, and he's doing, hey, aloha, everybody. Welcome to my show. It's that guy. And this guy says, I want to invite them. I mean, he was so impressed with the kids. I want to invite them in there. And brother, I set one table up in the back, and I give them Coca-Cola. They can watch the show. And I said, is the show? Yeah, the show. You know, because I know I'm going to go home to missionary parents. They're going to say, you did what? It's kind of like the youth group leader who plays the wrong video, and you're accountable to the parents, you know. So, so. Anyway, so we're done singing, and we take the kids, and we go on. Sure enough, just like he said, like the stage is about where the sound booth is, and there's a table back here. He's just set up for the kids, and he just serves them Cokes. And Rodney's, hey, you know, he's doing his thing up front. And so I'm just thinking, okay, this is all right. I'm not going to get chewed out. You know, this is good. Well, little Layla, Tongan girl, five or six, she comes up to me, Mr. Dave. Mr. Dave, Jesus spoke something to me. Oh, he did. What did he say? He said, we're supposed to be up on that stage. And I looked at her. And, I, and, I, and so I said, okay. So I told the group, I said, hey, guys. And they all looked at me and said, let's just, just leave your Cokes. Just go out in the parking lot outside a minute. It's now nighttime. Lights on, car. I said, go out in the parking lot, and I'm going to meet you there. So I went to the guy who had invited us in. I said, Hey, just so you know, I need to talk to our group for a few minutes outside. We'll be right back. Okay, shoots, bro. It's good. You know, and so I go outside and I said, Hey, Layla, why don't you share with the group what, what you think Jesus said? She said, Jesus told me we're supposed to be on that stage. And the culture of YWAM is such that they all just go, Okay, well, let's pray about it. So, we all, so we're all standing, holding hands, praying. Jesus, do you want us? On, just, and everybody's listening. It's quiet for a minute or two. 
And then I say, what did the Lord show you? And they all look at me and go, she's right. And it wasn't like, hey, that's cool. None of that. It was just all, she's right. I said, okay, you guys go in and sit down. Your job is to pray. I'm going to go speak to Abrada and see what he says. So I walk in and I just said, hey, thank you so much for the way that you're blessing the kids. They're really enjoying this, having a good time. And I said, hey, if Rodney, if he ever has a break and you want, he goes, brah, he's coming up to a break now. You, you like sing up there? No, not me, but they do. Okay, let's do it. And so I go back to the kids and they're like, we heard from Jesus. I mean, it was awesome. And those kids end up going up on the stage and, and literally like the, the first 10 feet, it was kind of like a bar like this. And so people are all, you know, doing this number, and the kids are presenting Jesus. And Vicky and, and Beth come up there 17, and I say, hey, what did you guys do this summer? We smuggled Bibles into China. And people are like, and they're sharing their story, and they begin, hey, what's most important to you about Christmas? By the time we were done, the Spirit of God had landed in that lounge. As we walked down the steps, Rodney's standing there greeting the kids. I mean, it was God wants to use our children because the same spirit of God lives in them that lives in you. And so don't just kind of, well, we got Sunday school. Who's going to be the teachers? Meaning I'm not going to get to just sit and listen. Guys, we can't think that way. It's the next generation. Let's get them farther along than we were at this age. Okay? So pay attention, tend, watch kind of what Jesus is doing in them. So, Alex. Yeah, um, what would you say or what, what advice or wisdom would you have for someone whose experience with the gifts has been bad? Yeah. Abuse or misuse totally. or any of that. Just would you, what would you say to that person that's almost closed off to that oh, yeah. because of that? Yeah, and I've had to deal with that substantially at times. So just so we're all on the same page, sometimes people have just been turned off by this whole area because people have misused gifts. They've either used them for their purposes. Here's a big one that I find. Your lack of wholeness impacts how the gifts go through you. I had somebody in our church years ago when I was serving as a senior pastor that had a very prophetic gift and it was a legit thing that they would hear from heaven but because they lacked wholeness in their life, everything they shared came out harsh. Like veins, the Lord would say to you, you need, and, and like, even if it was right, what she was saying, nobody could hear it because they couldn't get past the presentation. Our ongoing journey of discipleship that Jake's been leading you through is huge because it's the transformation of us to look more like Jesus. So when he wants to push gifts through us, the vessel is more whole in who it comes through. And that's often the problem. All right. We've had people that have used gifts to manipulate others with. And like, hey, people who run the other way, they're just smart. Like, who wants to go through that again? However, I also need to say to us, we've got to press in and say, Lord, help me. Help me to be healed here because obviously that was a misuse. That wasn't a godly use. But you can't throw out the baby with the bathwater. Okay? We can't do that. We've got to say, okay, God... Heal me, fix me, lead me here, make me whole. But that's something we all need to be doing as disciples. I still need to do that at 63. Sometimes I bump into something and go, wow, I didn't need, how did I not know that was in there? And I have to let God deal with me. But that's oftentimes something that happened, and I find I have to... You guys remember that movie, What About Bob? 
you know, baby step your way to, you know, whatever. Sometimes they have to baby step your way to gifts because people have been hurt. They've just said, like I had a guy, Dave, I love you, but you believe in gifts. I've been wounded by them. So I'm going to have to really question if I can have a friendship with you. Oh, really? But see, that's where then it's more about the relationship, right? And then it's baby stepping them towards experiencing something different. And I believe you as a church, as you kind of muscle up on these things, and don't just hear it as a lesson for four weeks, but begin to say, okay, how do we build these things up in us? God will send you people because he wants them to be built up too. Okay? So just kind of, when, you, when people are like that, you just got to very gracious, very kind, very patient, and let God rebuild trust. Yeah. Jake, it's 25-2, so that's up to you to what you want to do. Okay? Brian has a closing question, if nobody else does. <laughs> Again, he was my plant today. <laughs> um, so I'm learning how to be the spiritual leader of my household. Mm. And so with these gifts, would it be the same for my wife and kids to be the spiritual leader or would it be something different and how do I act in that gift for them and know what you know how to grow yeah, in that that's a great question again planting someone's really good to no I'm just kidding um, so so your role as a spiritual leader in your family would not be as much a gift as it would be a function Okay, so you have this function as a leader in your home. And by the way, while we're on this topic, when the Bible talks about, in Ephesians, the men, husbands being ahead of their home, the word head there does not mean in the Greek, boss. <laughs> I'm seeing nudges from wives. <laughs> Why are they all the men walking out like this? You know, but, but what it means is this, because think of the context. Jesus said, husbands, love your wives and lay your life down as Christ has for the church. So what it literally means, it means you have the authority given by God as someone to lead out in laying down your life for your wife. And so that doesn't take a spiritual gift to do. That's more a step of obedience of how God's asked us to function. And there's, like when I do weddings, one of the things I will pause to purposely make this point. So right before we do the I pronounce your husband and wife, I look at the couple and I'll say, are you guys ready? Because as we pray, and I declare this, if we could see it spiritually, there's a mantle called a husband and a mantle called wife that are going to land on you just in a moment now. You've never had it till now. And so there's a mantle that lands on us to be husband, to be wife. We had a situation, Brian, in my family where I, I learned something that made a deep impact to me in 2005, so 17 years ago. My wife had back surgery. She had had sciatica stuff and she had back surgery. The doctor says to me after her surgery, now when you get her home, you, your job is to get her walking. I said, like, when? He said, tomorrow morning. Just walk the hallway upstairs. And about three or four days later, walk her downstairs, help her, of course. And then she's about five, six days from now, she should be walked. Because they said the greatest thing you can do after back surgery is walk. Because it starts strengthening that. So Cheryl and I are, are doing this, and we're on day 10. It's the last day. I took, took time off my job just to be there for 10 days. It's day 10. And I come up upstairs. You take a left. You go right into our master bedroom. And Cheryl's laying in the bed there, and we're talking 
I leave, and I'm like on step four down the step, and I'd left my, I used to coach high school football, and I left my coach's whistle around the bedpost so that if she needed me when I was downstairs, she goes, you know, so I'm like four steps down right after we've done talking, and she goes, and I'm, so I get up there, and I, I laugh, I say, give me that thing, you're done, you know, and she says, honey, will you just sit here with me a minute? So I sat down on the bed, and she just, she said this to me, and I will never forget it. She said, honey, I've really enjoyed the last 10 days. But here's the piece she said. When you serve me like this, it makes me want to follow you anywhere. Is that not how Jesus has come to us in such a way that he's loved us, served us, saved us, that it's like, how could I not follow you anywhere? And the role of a husband is to love their wives in such a way that they'll lay down their own lives practically. Okay, I'm not watching the game now. Thank God for DVRs, right? But I'm not watching the game now because I need to be here, all right? And, and it's like there's times that you have to, by laying down your life, it doesn't mean I'm willing to take a bullet for you, honey. Well, one day that might be, but all right, this doesn't mean that. This is more the I'm willing to lay aside my agendas to be able to serve you. And that's the spirit of leading as a husband. And now what you can do as you lead, you will want to begin to kind of learn the gifts as well so that you can pay attention to what your wife's gifts are. Like start with her. What is her gifts? Because as a husband, so my wife's name Cheryl, for those of you that haven't met Cheryl, and I realized many years, we, we celebrate actually 40 years. We go to St. Martin two weeks from today. We're celebrating 40 years. And so it's like early on in my marriage, I, the Lord really showed me, you have a responsibility, Dave, not just to fulfill your call, but you have a responsibility to lay down your life for your wife to make sure that when you stand before Jesus, you know you've done everything to make sure she fulfilled hers. Whoa. But that's what marriage looks like. It's not just about me. It's about, am I helping Cheryl fulfill the call of God on her life? And that's part of the role as a husband. And so I've had to pay attention. Okay, what are Cheryl's gifts? She's kind of got serving helps gifts, and then she's got this incredible, incredible creative thing where she paints with coffee and but she doesn't have leadership gifts. Like the first time we prayed when we were married to ask the Lord about an event that we were leading, it was like for teenagers, 120 teenagers, a seven-day discipleship. God, and so I'm in a minor and more leadership and teaching. So I'm, okay, God, what are you saying? I'm looking for the direction and the word of the Lord and what I'm to teach. And so I, you know, when we say amen and we've listened to God, I'll say, she said, well, honey, what did you get? I said, well, I think these are the messages I'm supposed to prepare. And I said, what did you get? She said, I got that the tablecloths are supposed to be burgundy. And, and she started going down this whole hospitality. And I'm going, like, I'm 23. I'm going, what? Like, did the enemy hinder you from hearing from God? Right? And, and, I, and again, the 23-year-old that had to learn, no, that's how God expresses himself through my wife. And so guess what? When we team on things, she tends to set the environment that causes people to come in and be able to receive what I share. We've learned that over our, our marriage. So when we do something called a leadership journey, which is January to June every year, we do the retreats in January and April. Cheryl gets there early, sets up. It's the snacks and the coffee. But it's not just snacks and coffee set out. It's the environment created because of the gifts in her, the spirit of the whole thing. So when people come in, and some of them don't know anybody except for me, hi, and you can see they're a little insecure and they're not quite sure, but once they get that cup of coffee in their hand, that little snack, they're doing better. And Cheryl has created this environment. So, so that's where, for our spouses, for all of us, it's learning with our families, but then also with each other. 
Like when you're in your small groups, why is it that one person always has this and you just are always going, that is so awesome. It's because it's probably some gift expression coming out. And it's something as a flock, you kind of want to make normal. Like, okay, well, yeah, they function in that gifts, because then you know who to mobilize into what situations. And here's one thing I have found over the years, and it'll be the last thing I'll say. When you get somebody functioning in their gifts, you don't have to constantly be asking them to do something because they want to do it. So imagine if the whole church could function that way. Okay? Lord, thank you that you are the great gift giver and that you sent the Holy Spirit to live in us, to abide in us, to express these things called gifts through our lives so that the kingdom can be advanced in the world and that people might know Jesus. So Lord, would you take this precious, precious flock of Grace Chapel and would you allow her to begin to grow more intention in this, maybe, maybe more than any other time in the last five, six years, that this will become an area where there's a muscling up, a, an affirmation, uh, an encouragement to each other. So Lord, I just would ask, would you do that, that they might take that next step in functioning for your glory and your kingdom? Would you bless them and families today? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we thank Dave? Awesome. Thank you, Dave. So grateful for you, Sharon. All right, well, we love you guys. Have an awesome week with Thanksgiving ahead. Question time's over. I don't... (laughs) What you got, Dad? Yes. Yeah, that would be good. I would definitely encourage you guys to, to share this with the body that wasn't here. Um, and then also help me, Amy, there you are. Um, I love the app that he mentioned that, that has the characteristics of God. Let's put that in the e-bulletin this week so people could link to that. Um, so that might be a really cool resource to use. Karen, lion share leadership group. That was the third part I could remember. Lion share leadership group. We'll, have, we'll post it in the e-bulletin. So, all right. And then, listen, leading up to next Sunday, we're going to do a similar format. I'll teach for 15 minutes or so, and then we'll open it up for some more conversation. My plan next Sunday, God willing, is I'm going to purposely tackle some of the things that are a little more controversial in the gifts. I'm going to talk about prophecy, speaking in tongues, healing, some of those things. They're all important. Those, those tend to be scary for folks or hot-button issues or whatever. And so just... I want us to feel really equipped to, to step into that stuff. And so I'll address that specifically, but the question and answer time can go into to anything related to the gifts. All right. So we love y'all. Have an awesome week. Dave, thanks again for being here and we'll see y'all soon.